1: Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, hey there. Thank you for joining us and tuning right in to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Our guest today is Matt Johnson. He's a marketer, entrepreneur, podcast expert, and musician. As founder of Pursuing Results, a podcast PR and production agency based in San Diego, Matt runs a worldwide virtual team helping business coaches and agencies break in and dominate their niche through podcasting. Matt currently hosts the niche business podcasts such as UX and Real Estate Uncensored and recently launched the podcast pitch assistant training to help experts get pitched to podcasts consistently by their internal staff. It's a really cool aspect. He is a frequent podcast guest and event speaker to audiences around the US, Canada, and Australia. Right there, help me welcome It's Matt Johnson. What's going on, Matt?
0: (laughs) What's up, Josh?
1: All good. Uh, So there are so many things here, even just in those couple of paragraphs I read that I I want to pick apart. But first, we were talking before we went on the air here, and you mentioned sort of in passing that you are not or were not what you called a, quote, natural entrepreneur. Tell me what that means and why that's important to you.
0: Well, because I think there's a lot of pressure, especially these days, in, where we have glorified the entrepreneur and we've especially glorified the messy, chaotic, a little bit of the ADHD, dyslexic, like a lot of my friends are that way. And I love them to death, right? My, my co-host on my flagship show that I started years ago is the epitome of that guy. And so, if you're not that guy, and you don't have this roller coaster life of massive, massive highs and then unbelievable lows, you start to get a little bit of a complex for for being boring or for not, you know, for not being that kind of a roller coaster entrepreneur. Um, and I started a real estate team back in the day, but that was the extent of my entrepreneurial experience. That that went down in the crash, and I went and got a job. I did what a lot of people do, and I, I realized that I, it wasn't it wasn't for me at that time. I wasn't mature enough to handle it. So flash forward to five years ago, I'm in my thirties, I'm working at a digital agency and I'm still just some dude working at somebody else's agency. And I, I know that I have the capability to do something, but I was struggling to find my value. We might talk a little bit more about that. But part of the reason why I struggled is because I was looking at my background going, I'm, I'm just not that guy. I'm not that guy with the massive highs and the massive lows. And I think the good news is that you don't have to be. I think once, once I really got around a lot of ultra-successful entrepreneurs, I started to realize that they determined to be successful in spite of whatever their personality was. If they were that roller coaster guy, they took advantage of it. If they were the, the methodical, systematic guy, they took advantage of it. And that's who I am. So I built a very methodical, systematic business that now I can run a multiple six-figure agency in about four hours a week because I'm good at building systems, right? So I took advantage of the things that I'm good at. I learned to compensate for the things that I wasn't good at and I built a successful business around it. And so that was really encouraging to me because I don't consider myself a natural entrepreneur and there's probably a lot of people out there working a nine to five or maybe doing some freelancing that are thinking the same thing. And if I can say anything to you or to my younger self, I guess, it's that don't, don't worry about that. Go do it anyway because you can build a business around what you are good at.
1: Now, you're also the author of the upcoming book and um, companion podcast, really, right, Mm -hmm. called uh, Mm -hmm. Get Micro Famous. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is really really cool title. Um, we were we were talking, and I know we uh, we both have the uh, performance bug within us. I spent fifteen mm-hmm. years pursuing an acting and filmmaking career. You pursued a um, career as a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know I know famous on that front. I was I was going for all sorts of I guess here the the macro fame. I wanted to be recognized anywhere and everywhere. But that's mm-hmm. not the purpose of this. Business book, right get right. micro famous some people may be turned off if, uh, with that word meaning well I' have no desire right mm-hmm. but what but getting over that block, what does it really mean to get micro famous to benefit the person listening?
0: Well, the subtitle of the book explains a lot, which has become famously influential to the right people mm, there you I go. think and to me that's that's where the freedom is, especially mm. if you like, if, if you're the type that you have been hidden, like you've, you've been kind of like either whether it's low confidence, what, whatever the reason is that you don't feel like you can step out and be your full self, um, I think part of the reason that we get that way is because we're trying to appeal to so many different types of people. And once you realize that you can build a really successful business and a life around appealing to a very specific group of the right people and you can let everyone else go. Um, I'll give you an example. So one of my clients runs a seven figure real estate team that takes him a couple hours a week to run this. So then he decided, okay, I want to get into coaching and consulting and I helped him launch this podcast and I co-hosted it for a while and ended up being a a partner in his business and, and helped, uh, help that to grow. So, He can go like he's, he runs the number one real estate team in a Midwestern city. So in some area, but he's not visible. He's not on a billboard. He can go to the grocery store. Nobody knows who he is, even though he runs the top team in the entire state. Wow. But when he goes to a real estate conference for other team leaders, right? People come up and ask for pictures and autographs. To me, that's what it means to be micro famous is when you get around the right group, or when you go to an industry event, or you, when you go to the right conference where your people are there, you're famous to them everywhere else you can go and nobody knows or cares and that's okay. So that means you can, you know, you can let your freak flag fly. You can be yourself, you know, to the right people, right? If you, if you've built your business around marketing to the right people, instead of trying to appeal to everyone.
1: All right, so how do we do it? I want to become micro famous, right? And I'm guess many, uh, many listening want their version of that, right? We all want to, we all want to sell what we have. We want to give what we have to the world and have the right people um, invest in it and see it and embrace it and use it and have their lives changed by it. So, what do we need to know? How do we, how do we do
0: that? Well, let's talk. To me, it happens in stages. So the easiest way to explain it is we go from getting seen to getting noticed to getting known. Mm. So the first couple of stages are where we are talking about the thing that we want to become known for. And we're talking about that same thing from a lot of different angles, right? Mm. So we, we come up with, a so John Maxwell, for example, like guess what the next John Maxwell book is going to be about. Surprise. It's about leadership. Right. I am shocked. Um, said no one. Right. Because yeah. everyone, everyone at John Maxwell's books is about leadership in some form or fashion. He's been talking about it for 20 years, which by is de- why John Maxwell right. is known for leadership by
1: design. Right. By Very design. strategically. Yeah. Very strategically. That's exactly. And we can okay. do the same
0: thing. Yeah. So once we come up with the thing that we want to be known for, because we know it's going to attract the right people, all we need to do is just hammer away at that over and over again. And the book talks about technically how to do that, but strategically, it's a decision that, hey, I'm okay with being known for this one thing to the right people. And I'm going to hit that over and over and over again. Now, over the, f- the first part of it, getting seen to getting noticed is when you're like pushing the rock up, up the hill. That's when you have decided I'm going to be linked to this thing. I'm going to be known mm. for one thing. But at some point, the market agrees with you. And you hit that tipping point, and now the rock is rolling downhill, and you don't have to push anymore. In fact, it starts to gather momentum, and other people are talking about you on social media. Other people have agreed that you're known for this thing. So, right, so Microfamous is a great example at Microfamous, the brand, which is why I changed my podcast name to that. That's why the book is called that, cool. because that's what I'm going to be known for. Now, for the next couple of years, right, that's going to be me putting out content and linking Matt Johnson to Microfamous, But there's going to come a time when the market agrees with me and goes, oh yeah, Matt's the micro famous guy.
1: And that's the, wow, that's just so, so cool and powerful. So that's the tipping point. You've, you've become crystal clear now, which is the work we have to do behind closed doors and figure out what do we want to become. So we're almost working backwards, get seen, get noticed and get known. Um, and, and known is the, is the final thing, but you have to have the end in mind. So in your case, you're like, I want to be known as the micro famous guy. That's the thing. So you're doing everything you can now to, uh, you've established that now you're jumping back to the first part, uh, be seen for that. And now Mm -hmm. everything, so now you, you consciously deliberately and strategically put what you need in place to navigate that road. So in one to two or three years, whatever it is, like you said, there's that tipping point when the momentum is there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, uh, and podcasting makes it really easy. I mean, that's part of why I love what I do in podcasting. I'm sure you do too, because along the way to getting micro famous, you can have fun, right? You can have fun conversations. You can have, you can market in a way that doesn't force you to be something you're not. And I felt like, and I love Gary V for, for various reasons, but, uh, I think he has created the impression him and a lot of other folks that the only way to grow a business right now in today's world is to be glued to your phone. And Mm. so I think there's a lot of folks, freelancers, thought leaders, this goes all the way up to thought leaders who have built successful seven figure businesses. They feel guilty when they're not super engaged and on their phone. But I know plenty of them that have built successful businesses without being super active on social media. I mentioned the guy that has the, um, the seven figure real estate team, Not active on social media, built a multiple six-figure coaching consulting business. Still not active on social media, right? It all happened through podcasting and lead generation stuff like that. My old agency owners like that too. They built a category king, multi-million-dollar digital agency in a small corner of the world and in their little kind of world of real estate. And the owner isn't active, and the agency isn't active on social media. So once you get around that, it kind of starts to set your your belief system. Uh, free, I guess, from, from the prevailing mindset that's out there. So I think we waver a lot between either being glued to our phone or feeling guilty for not being glued to our phone because we think we're shortchanging our business. I would argue we're not.
1: It's so interesting, you brought up the Gary Vee model, who you know he has a lot of things you know, yeah, on social, stay on your phone, uh he has the thing on Instagram, and this is applicable to any social platform, really. He wants you to um get involved in you know ten plus conversations around your topic every day and just keep at that and keep at that, but it seems like you've identified the missing piece, which is that end result of how do you want to be known, what do you want to be known for and until and unless you establish that, doing what Gary is saying is almost going to do nothing, which I know that so many of us wind up experiencing, frustrating, oh, I'm seeing no results. Well, are you clear on who you are, what you're going for, and what you want to be known for?
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and clarity is a superpower. And, and there's nowhere more than, more true than in business. Because I think what a lot of us are doing is unintentionally, accidentally confusing the market.
1: I love it. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: Because we're talking about so many different things because we're not clear on, on who are, who the right people are and what we're going to sell them that in our effort to gain attention and, and our well-intentioned efforts to kind of yeah. follow the Gary Vee model, right? Yes, like we all want to grow yes. our business. It's, it's good intentions. Sure. But what we end up doing is we get into a bunch of different types of conversations about a bunch of different types of mm-hmm. things. And it doesn't lead to us being known for anything. And it's, and the things that we become known for sometimes happen accidentally because some, some piece of our content goes viral or whatever. We end up getting known for the wrong thing. And I know people like that, that they create, they, they focus so much on creating content that it worked. And all of a sudden they have an influx of hundreds of thousands of followers on social media or on YouTube or whatever. And then they spend the next two years twisting, twisting themselves into pretzels, trying to figure out how to get those people to buy something because those people came not because they were known for something that mattered, but because they created a piece of content that went viral. They started with the attention and they forgot about the sales. And now guess what? Two years later, they're struggling to monetize this audience that fell into their lap through some piece of viral content. That was another thing. That was another kind of drop in that bucket of things that like opened my eyes and changed my belief system was talking to these people that had massive podcast audiences or massive audiences on Instagram, for example. And they're going, dude, I don't know how to like, I I can't monetize them. They don't buy. And, and it's that's because
1: and it's because they haven't properly gained clarity or identified what they want to be known for.
0: They don't have the alignment between the marketing side and what the business model is behind it, right? And what I realized from producing podcasts for thought leaders and and watching what worked and what didn't work was that the people who won weren't the people with the most downloads. They were the people that knew how to align those two things. They knew what they wanted to get known for. And the podcasting helped them do that, but most importantly, what they got known for created demand for the thing that they sold wow
1: that's huge. What we just spoke about for the past ninety seconds, two minutes uh, is is worth a, a rewind. Clarity is a superpower from that sound bite I jotted down it's so true and it's it's unfortunate just you know entrepreneurs and business people and those that want to take that step it sounds so simple like. Yo, just gains gained some clarity, but it's 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 more difficult, right?
2: Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation only event includes interviews with you on top rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity. with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing, to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about PodMax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the Apply Now button at Co. and I hope to see you at the next PodMax event.
1: I want to attach this and go back to, I think you said about five years ago, you found yourself at a job in a position where you, where you started questioning your value, your own value, and what you were bringing to the table. Lead us up to that moment and uh, paint that picture for us.
0: So I was working for a CEO who's still one of my best friends, and I love him to death. And I remember sitting on the beach in San Diego and we were trying to work out what the next step was for me in the company. I've been doing business, business development. I was hosting webinars with some of their key people. I was, uh, and I've always left a great impression. I was good at building relationships in the right context. But we we're trying to figure out what my next step was. And I remember the CEO just turning to me and says, "Like, look, like what, what do you bring to the table that I'm not already really good at? And I'm like, I I don't know at the time, right? I didn't know. So I ended up leaving the agency, started my own podcast, started that led to starting the agency. And that's a whole other story that's really interesting. But about I think it was a year and a half into running the agency as a as a full-on like digital agency, and I'd started building up a team and stuff. And so I was asking myself, like, what does the agency need for me to grow? And I realized it only came down to three things. Then I looked at that list of three things and it hit me like a ton of bricks. It's the exact same three things that CEO was really good at. I'm like, okay, that, that now it all makes sense. We have the same strengths. So I was working in an agency run by someone with the exact same strengths that I have, but he was five years further along in developing them, right? I had to get out from under, I had to get out of that situation for my own strengths to shine, to even to me. I didn't know what my strengths were until I got out from that, started running my own thing, I, you know, freelancing to then running an agency. Then I realized what my actual strengths were. And then I'm like, okay, well now it makes complete sense why I didn't know what my value was when I was working for that other person, because his strengths were overshadowing mine and we had the same strengths. Wow. What were they? Strategy, copywriting, and leadership.
1: Now how did you how did you identify those? Cuz again it's like the clarity somebody mm-hmm. there there's there's often a block where we we can't see. So how did you gain clarity over that strength?
0: Okay. So I was looking and analyzing how the business was growing and And of course I run a marketing agency. So copywriting is very important. Like that copywriting is the words that you say to face the public and get them to buy something. So that's kind of an easy one. If you're running a marketing business and you can't, you're not a copywriter, you're you're kind of in trouble. (laughs) Um, but, but strategy and leadership is kind of the main core couple of things that any sort of team needs from their CEO, no matter what size it is, it could be five people or 50 or 500 Ultimately, you're the one that's 100% responsible for why you do what you do, that's the strategy, and how you execute on it, which is the leadership. And so that, that's kind of, it was just that process of really sitting down and doing some deep thinking mm. about how the agency was going to grow is how I came up with that list of three things.
1: So in that turning point where you were working in that company with that CEO and then ultimately started your own agency, what was that story?
0: So the story was uh we were starting to do the podcast i had launched a podcast called real estate uncensored and that was going really well i had launched it with a co-host who basically pitched me on the idea all all we knew is we had some vague idea that we wanted to get into coaching and creating courses for <laughs> agents and then I was introduced to another client of that same agency who wanted to get into coaching and consulting. So, same thing. I helped them launch the podcast because I'd done it for myself. So, we launched a podcast. I co hosted that one. Um, now, what's interesting is that I accidentally stumbled on a split test of podcasting in the same space with two very different approaches. Now, that's a whole other story. But essentially, what happened is that that led to me being a partner in that coaching consulting business, which is how I transitioned out of being like a nine to five work for somebody else guy to being marketing consultant guy, but that's also what freed up my time and paid my living expenses so that I could host my couple of podcasts and start to take on clients outside of that and start to get that ball rolling without having to worry about whether my day-to-day expenses were taken care of. So that like to, if I could give any advice to like a freelancer, like that's the, it doesn't get more ideal than that go from employee to freelancer to where you still have the ability to take on outside clients. And because of the agency I came out of, my mission when I left was to figure out what's the one thing I'm going to sell to the one type of person. Mm. My goal was not, how do I make a living? How do I package 17 different things? How do I monetize everybody that's in my world already? It was no, no. Like my, my goal was to find that one thing and the one person, and then let's go out and find more of those people
1: powerful uh what was the moment like first for you saying when you were in that job uh doing your thing uh with the ceo same strengths what was the moment in your head when you said oh my goodness i gotta leave and then telling the ceo oh my goodness i gotta leave and then doing it
0: Well, that was an interesting situation because, and this is part of why we're still, he's still one of my best friends to this day, is that we just sat down and had a discussion. He's like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) He's like, you're totally right. And by the way, you should go, you should absolutely go consult for him. And by the way, figure out what you're going to package and sell. And then he comes around to me six months later and I helped him launch four different podcasts in four different industries and broke them (laughs) into four different spaces. You know, so like it was, it, it was because, but this is a good lesson for anybody that's a, that's a leader, which is that you can't hold on to people too tight. This goes for clients, it goes for team members, and it absolutely goes for anyone that you mentor. Right. If that you're going to be a good mentor. Yeah. Um, well, I think is like, I, I see this a lot in the coaching business, right? The expectation is, hey, if I sign you up as a coaching client, I want to be in your life for the next 30 years. And I don't think that's the right approach. I think the right approach is, Hey, I I want you in my life as a friend. I want a circle of influence, but you're going to rotate in and out of my life as a paying client from time to time based on what you need. And that's okay. I think it's okay for people to outgrow our service. Like our production service, our goal is not to retain clients for five or 10 years. We want to launch their podcast, get it up on its feet. Produce it for six to twelve months, whatever's the right answer for the client. And then we want to help them bring it in house because I think that's the right long term answer. And so I like I practice what I preach. Like when I talk about letting like letting things go and letting the relationship evolve to the next level, we we even do that with our clients. And so with anybody that you mentor in any way, like you have to be prepared for them to turn around and kill the mentor. Some people just have to leave and and do their own thing. And I was that guy.
1: How much fear was it making that transition from the employee to even a freelancer, and then your own agency? Uh,
0: it was a lot, and I th- I think anyone that tells you it's not scary is lying. Um, I'm not one of those guys. I, like, um, have you ever re- read any of uh, David Baker's stuff, The Business of Expertise? No. Okay. First of all, that's an amazing book. So everybody should drop what they're doing and go buy that book. What is it? Um, David Baker, David Baker. Yeah. So he talks about two types of people, right? You've got the people who are kind of irrationally self-confident, like their self confidence comes because who they are and they're awesome. They're objectively awesome. And whatever they do is going to turn out right. And I know guys like that and they're fun to be around. I am not one of those guys. I'm one of the other 90% where your, your confidence is based on you being legitimately good at something. And until you prove to yourself that you you're good at it, you're not confident. It's true. So yeah, like I just think that's most people and that's okay. So the bottom line is that I, I still deal with it. I still deal with the fear of uh, you know, what happens if all of my clients cancel, right? What happens if this, what happens if that? Like that, I don't think there's any way around it. Um, but what I do try to do is I want to give the most amazing service that gives a real, legitimate ROI so that the service that I offer pencils out and makes sense on paper. The numbers make sense. Right, so that I'm delivering more ROI to the client than I'm charging them. And then I actually track, like every month, I sit down and I rate them on an in, income security scale one to 10. What? Yeah. Nice. So, and I don't charge any clients more than the others. Right. So everybody pays the same amount. Like we have one package right now we've raised our prices over the years to where sure. now it's at a certain level, but like everybody pays the same rate. So, uh, I saw something on Facebook today. Uh, it may have been, uh, um, like a, a reference to one of your older episodes where a gentleman was talking about how he lost 80% of his revenue from one client. That's right. I'll, I'll never be in that case because I don't let any one client take up that much space in my life. And so there, there are some certain things that I do in the way that i built the business so that I have a foundation of multiple clients, all paying a flat fee, all paying monthly revenue, recurring revenue, specifically so that I'm not dealing with that fear. I'm not going out there to kill and eat every single month, right? Because I want to I build. That's, yeah. my, that's my thing. I'm a systems guy. So if I have to rebuild everything every single month, like it would be miserable. I would just not do it.
1: And we started this show by saying you're not a natural entrepreneur, but it seems like I, you've become, you certainly live and learn and evolve into the quintessential entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, no, definitely not the roller coaster entrepreneur. I'm, I'm, I have systematic methodical entrepreneur now. I mean, now, now I have the confidence to where I'll be an entrepreneur for the rest of my life. I, I have made myself unemployable. I used to be a great employee. Now i now not so much. That's uh, Brian
1: Clark's amazing podcast show, Unemployable. It's kind cool. of playable. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> as he is um, copy blogger founder, by the way. Going back to oh writing. Yeah? Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Copy writing reference. No? Yeah. Um, the you so so you find yourself um, really deep in the in the podcast space, which is you yep. know still relatively new. Was that just you sort of backed into it, or did you see that coming, or you just woke up and you're like, oh my god, this is where I'm going.
0: Well, it's interesting because uh, I started paying attention to podcasts in like 2010 when Adam Carolla moved from terrestrial radio. That's early. (laughs) Yeah. So I started paying attention early. So I was a consumer. Uh, which is why when I started doing live webinars and Google Hangouts at my old agency, I was keeping an eye on podcasting and I was thinking about starting one Hmm. because we're already broadcasting on YouTube and it was going really well. And then one of the guys that I was co-hosting with just called me up one day and said, Hey, we should start a podcast. Well, I'd already been thinking about it. So it was a no brainer. Um, what I didn't expect was that it would end up turning into launching an agency and then turn into launching thought leaders, with podcasting, like as, as my primary core business, I thought I was going to end up being like a real estate coach and a marketing trainer for real estate agents. Cause that was the industry I came out of. And I could have, but once I seen that my ideal clients weren't the, weren't the real estate agents, they were the coaches in that space. That's mm-hmm. who I actually resonated with. So one of the questions I asked myself was, look, if a client of mine texts me and says, Hey, I just dropped, i just flew into San Diego. Let's grab a drink who are the people that I'd be excited and say, yeah, let's do it. Such a good question. Right. And it wasn't the agents. It was the coaches. So I'm like, okay, (laughs) well, I need to, all right, I need to stop serving the agents and I need to to shift gears and start serving the coaches. Uh, and so now we do in a code, of course, there's, you know, there's not a thousand real estate coaches, but there are business coaches in a bunch of other industries that I'm able to serve using the exact same things that I initially uncovered by working with real estate coaches.
1: If you're tuned in listening and you missed it because it was subtle, the thing Matt just said when he asked himself that question, if somebody flew in, who would I be excited to grab a beer with or grab a meal with? It's clarity. It goes back to that. That's you consciously gaining clarity. And again, such a, such an important, like we were saying, uh, tying it into the, the business person or the entrepreneur who puts different, different messages out on Facebook or social somewhere. And they're just muddling the message because they're not clear on it.
0: Yeah. And it's, believe me, I'll be the first one to tell you that clarity is not easy, but I I can tell you clarity is incremental. It doesn't have to come all at once. And I talk, I talk about this in the book. Um, there is a way to build your strategy in such a way that it gives you what I would call freedom of movement. So, and this concept came from the way Napoleon would plan out military campaigns, right? So Napoleon, you know, probably the greatest military leader, maybe even the greatest strategic mind of all time, all history, right? But what was interesting about him is he didn't necessarily plan everything down to the detail. What he knew is where he wanted to end up And he knew where he was starting from and he gathered all the information, but the goal was to give himself freedom of movement, which is part of why it was, you know, all all the things about Napoleon's army that ended up being true were true, not because they were that way, because they were French. They were that way because Napoleon made it that way, because that was the goal of the strategy, freedom of movement. And so to me, there's a way to brand yourself or even brand a podcast in such a way that you can make some of those strategic decisions later on as you get more clarity. So, and that's one of the things we help like our podcast production clients do. And I'll give you a quick example. So the gentleman I mentioned that runs the real estate team. Yes. So when we launched his podcast, I looked at him and said, look, you're going to want to talk about real estate teams for a while, and then you're going to get bored. Now, what are you going to talk about in five years? So we talked about it and he's like, well, you know, probably building, building a team. Like that's the thing that applies outside of real estate. I'm like, you're exactly right. It's leadership and team building. So guess what we named the podcast, not the real estate team, not the million dollar real estate team. We called it the team building podcast because you know, he's so you been doing room this to grow. room to grow. So the subtitle of the podcast is aimed at the real estate space, but the title of the podcast is flexible. It's a brand that can, that can mean different things. So it can, it can evolve over time. Most importantly, it can, uh, it it can establish your home base in kind of your, your smaller niche that you want to dominate right now. But five years from now, it sets you up to break out of that niche into something else. And all you have to do is change the subtitle of your podcast. Right. And you can do the same thing with the book or whatever, but yeah. So I do think that like clarity is not something you get all at once and you don't have to, it's okay.
1: Like you said, just know where you're starting, know where you want to end up and have that middle ground confidently for room to move and room to pivot and room to adjust Mm -hmm. instead of the trap, which we see all too often. Somebody needs every point of the steps laid out before they make a move. And that's, that's the detriment, right?
0: It is. And and sometimes that's a confidence issue. And like I said, that that's something that develops over time. Um, and if that's you just own it, be okay with it. You know, like a, yeah. the clarity will come uh, just, uh, I think those, those questions, it, it's more important to have the right questions than it is to have all the answers, right? So the question of who is the one type of person who is the right people for me, that's the first question. And then the second question would be, what can I sell them that I can enjoy and make a profit at? And if you get those two things right, it basically solves most everything else, right? And so like when I was listening to your podcast, there was something that, that I thought about because you were talking about feeling like you were hiding a part of yourself. And I was, I was thinking about that. I'm like, that doesn't really resonate with me at first. And I was kind of reflecting on why. Um because I've kind of always been out there in front of people, you know, like I wanted to be a minute, like my dad was a pastor, I assumed I'd be a pastor, so I started public speaking and being on stage relatively early. I didn't feel like I was hidden. But as an entrepreneur, that's another story, right? We talked about that. And I think that if you if you come to terms with, look, not everybody is my right person. I only need to be famously influential to the right group of people. Well, then it allows you to just be confident and talk directly to those people you can talk more clearly. You can deliver a more compelling message. You can be positively polarizing because you don't have to please everyone because you don't need 17 different types of clients. You only need one. You just want the right type of people. And, and to me like that, that, you know, that set me free, you know, like that, that helps me to just be myself, build the business I want to build, resonate with the people I'm going to resonate with. And then who cares about everybody else?
1: Matt, man, this conversation just flies by too quick. And even what we touched upon, I feel like nuggets and nuggets of, of gold just throughout everything we touched upon. I feel like we can go hours more. We can really do this Joe Rogan style. I know it. <laughs> we barely got, I feel like we barely- dug <laughs> That
0: did fly by.
1: Way, my goodness. So putting it all together, what is the core message you like to teach and tie that into what is the final piece that the person listening needs to take away?
0: So one of my clients said this to me last year. She said, look, everybody needs a feedback loop. And what I didn't realize was happening when I was hosting podcasts and then started, especially to get featured on podcasts, Mm -hmm. is you start to get a feedback loop of people telling you that you're awesome. (laughs) And if you're not the type of person that automatically assumes that you're objectively awesome at everything you do, you kind of need that, right? Like you need people going, Hey, that podcast episode is really good. Or I read your book and this is what I got out of it. And we, and we need that. And there's nothing wrong with needing that. And so if you build that into your life, and I think one of the easiest ways to build that in is to start getting featured on podcasts, start being a guest where you show up to something like this and the host gives you a nice introduction and you're presented as the expert and you're the guest that's there to contribute. Like it's fun. You get to have fun, awesome conversations. It probably will lead to you starting your own show at some point. But to me, this, that's the best place to start, but just, and that it it works from a purely marketing perspective, but going back to if you feel like you're hiding yourself away, putting yourself in a situation where you can share just a few things, what you know, what you're learning and what you're doing. Mm. and build that wow. feedback loop in where people tell you that you're awesome by getting featured on podcasts, that will solve a lot of those problems.
1: Wow. What you and, know, what you're learning, what you're doing. doing. Yeah, I, I told you gold, absolute gold. Uh, where can people uh, connect with you to pick up the conversation? Where should that happen?
0: So the easiest next step is getmicrofamous.com because that's got the social links. Uh, it's got a link there to a masterclass on how to... How to craft your discovery story that will get podcast hosts to say yes. So we break down kind of how that's done. Uh, to me, that's the, that's the 80, 20 of getting featured on a podcast is just, if you got your story hook, right, you can get almost everything else in your pitch email or, or your introduction wrong. And if you've got a good story, the podcast host is going to say, yes. so that so training's true. there. Uh, and then if you've already been through that progression, let's say you're already doing some breakout sessions, you're doing a little bit of coaching. Um, maybe you've gotten featured on some podcasts before, and now you're ready for that next step of hosting your own show, uh, head over to pursuingresults.com results.com. You can learn about our done for you service there.
1: This is absolutely incredible. Matt Johnson, thank you so much. Again, I, um, I know we're going to talk again and again. Can't wait to do it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, whether it's right here on the live broadcast or you're catching this in its native podcast form uh, on Apple, on Google, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you consume, leave a review. I love continuing to read your kind thoughts and uh, reviews. We're going to do this again before too long. Until we do